and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Jonah McFarlane and today I'm joined by the Sunday Mail's Scott McDermott and everybody's favourite millennial, Mark McDougall. On the pod today we look back on a flat, insipid, boring draw with Hibs as dead on their feet Rangers failed to hold on to a crucial lead following an early Alfredo Morelos goal at Ibrox. We preview Saturday's Old Firm Derby and your questions are answered. Scott, we're going to start off with Hibs. Yep. Did Rangers do enough to win that game? No, no in my eyes, Johnny. Um, I know they had a few a few decent chances. Second half, their keeper, uh, their keeper made a couple of saves, but it just felt like really hard work for Rangers trying to just trying to carve out a chance, as it has done. If we're being honest, for a few for a few games now, when you think about Hamilton at home, St Johnson away, first half obviously. Um, it was a real struggle, I thought. Uh, they sat back <coughs> in the second half, allowed Hibs to come on to them and Hibs hadn't really been in the game up until that point. And being at the game, even though Rangers did have a few chances, you just felt that Hibs were going to get at least one before the end. And it was almost like the, like the writing was on the wall and obviously they got that late equaliser. And even then you kind of knew that Rangers were only going to get back in. And I thought, uh, I didn't think Rangers deserved more than, a, more than a point from it, to be fair. Mark, I'm going to baffle you with French. Was that Hibs goal a fait accompli? Do you want me to explain that what that means? means? I do want you to that because <laughs> the last time I spoke French was about 10 years ago. Was it inevitable? Oh, 100%. Uh, you just knew it was coming. I think especially when Conor Goldson went off as well, you thought... With Katic and Joe Wall at the back, you're just not confident in that partnership at all. Uh, I think right, the Rangers just they missed too many chances again. And it's hard to be critical on guys like Glenn Middleton, who's 18, 19, Morelos only 22, but they just need to take, do better when they've got those chances over one, particularly in the second half when Glenn Middleton, for some reason, tried to pass it across to uh, Morelos instead of just lifting it over Bogdan when he was coming out of him. And it was, it's, it's those decision making that decision making that is letting Rangers down a lot in the final third I don't think Hibs looked particularly good but nah, you I, just knew something they've got their own injury problems haven't they yeah I, I thought yeah. I thought Rangers defence no I thought the back four and even uh, Jack and uh, <coughs> uh, McCrory in front and then Ryan Jack no I thought they played reasonably well it was ahead of that the two wingers were really poor Candias apart from what rate Offered very little. Every cross seemed to get into the the Brimland stand in the first the first half. Glenn Middleton had a poor game, but as Mark says, he's a young guy. He's only eighteen, nineteen. You need to be patient with him. He's now starting games for Rangers when even he wouldn't have expected that at the start of the season. Stephen Gerrard certainly wouldn't have expected it, but injuries have have dictated to it. Um, Middleton. <laughs> He's so quick that you know, sometimes it actually goes against him, I think, because he gets to the ball so quick. He's in such a rush to get things done that he lacks a bit of composure, I think, when he when he gets to that final pass, the final ball, and that really let him down. Um, Morelos, again, you know, played well, got his goal. Great but, finish. Yeah, mm-hmm. but behind him, you know, Rangers are in a situation just now due to injuries that... They've got Lasana Koulibaly playing in this kind of attacking or advanced midfield role. And as much as I've said on here before, I don't think he's a he's a midfield anchor man. I don't think he can dictate games for Rangers. 
he's certainly no a number 10 who's going to burst into the box and no put away chances or, or create chances with a killer pass. But that's the situation Rangers find themselves in. That's why they've struggled, particularly in the last few games in terms of creativity. Um, and Steven Gerrard will just hope that on Saturday he gets a couple of players back that, that can give them give them that spark. Mark, you don't have to look at fancy stats to drill into the detail of what Rangers' problem is. You've got James Tavernier with eight assists, a terrific return. Alfredo Morelos with four assists. Scott Arfield with four. And then below that, the next person is Glenn Middleton on three and then everyone else is on two or less. Now, when you think someone like Daniel Candias in 16 league games has only got two assists... Now, I've been a big defender of Candias in this podcast and was very impressed with what he brought to the table last season. Now, Scott's been less impressed. And I have to say, you look at those cold, hard numbers and perhaps I'm getting some sort of uh, confirmation bias with them because that's two assists in 16 games. Nowhere near good enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really surprised by that because I've thought this season as well that Candias has played quite well. I mean, the last few games he's been pretty poor. His cross has not been the same. His yeah. goal scoring return with four goals in 16 games is not bad. And also one of his assists came on Saturday as well. Or not Saturday on Wednesday, but uh, they've only headed it through to Morelos. But yeah, I'm surprised at that. But I think that's been a problem with Rangers, and it summed it up well is that Candace is a kind of player. He works hard, but he's a, is he good enough to be in a title winning Rangers team uh, when there's not enough players of quality around him? I, th- I, think, I think that's the sort of problem. I think even when you look at those stats, the one that surprised me was probably Ryan Kent, who everybody. Has kind of pretty much one, raved about one assist in one, the league. One assist, and I think, is it three goals? Why did I say assist? Yeah, you see, assist uh, very weird. It's weird. I don't know. It's maybe it's a Perth thing. <laughs> Edinburgh. Yeah. It's East Coast nonsense. Yeah, Sorry, guys. East Coast defect. <coughs> um, no, I think. It's, I think <laughs> Ryan Kent, or perhaps I'm just obsessed with ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he's got three goals. Is it three goals and one assist? Three goals and one assist. Or Ryan yeah. Kent. No. People's been raving about him. No, a lot of the time, quite rightly, because you no know, attacking wise and creatively from from middle to front, he probably has been Rangers' best player. And supporters are now desperate to get him back. I mean, that's how that's how bad it's been. They're, they're desperate for this guy to come back and give them that spark. But as I say, when you look at those stats, I think even Ryan Kent will be disappointed with that that return, even though he's had a couple injuries. So these these guys have to do. Can they ask Kent? If they're going to stay in the team, and as Mark said, if they're going to be part of a Rangers team that's genuinely going to go and challenge Celtic for a title, then th- those numbers have to go up. I think with Kent, though, is that the way he plays, he opens up defences a lot more and yeah, creates, yeah. creates space for other players to get yeah, into. Yeah, he's got a lot of pace. Because he can beat a man as well. Yeah. Yeah, so while, while his assist stats might be quite low, I think he's involved in a lot more goals than maybe people give him credit for. If you start looking back at all the fancy stats of secondary and third assists, all the rest of it. I think he would be a much higher on that, but... <laughs> but <laughs> Me and Scott, you can't see this because it's a I podcast, thought, but we're giving each other the, the, I, the stink I eye I thought you were the biggest hipster in no, the no, no. I'm not saying I agree with all these stats, but I think if you start looking into all of them, then Kent provides a lot more than he's given credit what's, for. What's a secondary start? assist, Scott? I have no idea. These <laughs> yeah, guys, what are they talking about? Start, yeah. the <laughs> well, obviously the creativity is a problem and we're getting a lot of questions from guys on Twitter asking what Rangers are going to do to solve this in January. Scott, do you think this is the number one issue and who do you think they are looking at? Carlos Pena. <laughs> right. <laughs> is that serious? No, don't, it's not don't, at all. Don't even joke about it. <laughs> no. Nah. Listen, I think, Stephen, you're talking about priorities. 
listening to Stephen Gerrard in press conferences, it's, it feels to me that his number one priority is another striker. Uh, that's what he. That's what he keeps going on about. That's what he's. He he thinks. No, he probably disagrees with us in terms of he. I, I think Gerard. I'm not saying he's been completely happy with it, but no post match he keeps going on about we're creating chances and no even in the Hibs game the other day he felt as if the actual creativity and the creation of chances was pretty decent. It's putting them away. It's a problem because. No, when you go past Morelos, there's not a lot of guys scoring goals. So I think his number one priority will be a striker. I think we've spoke before about his interest in Solanke. I think that's obvious. Um, but no, I think there's big doubts about whether Rangers will be able to attract him. Well, like there it. seems to be Premier, yeah. Premier League interest. And when that happens with a young English player, there's only one option yeah, for that I player. I think so. I think even you see... Like see Huddersfield mentioned, obviously David Wagner being uh, no big pals with Jurgen Klopp. Uh, you would think that somewhere like Huddersfield might be his, might be his next destination. So, listen, it's going to be a big month, not just for Steven Gerrard, but for Mark Allen and the recruitment team to come up with these guys. Um, it was certain, but obviously once a striker, and I think especially with Ajaria going back to Liverpool. He'll clearly want another attacking midfielder. Um, when you think, you no, know, like Kent's out, Jamie Murphy's out, Graham Doran's still out. No long term, he needs more creativity, more guile. You no know, middle to front to create chances. Definitely, those two positions will be the the priorities in January. So, Scott, I'm going to take you on a walk down memory lane. Now, I'm not going to do this with you, Mark, because I know you won't remember. Jean Allen, Mar- uh, Jean Allen, Boom Song. Yep, is a player that Rangers signed for nothing in the summer. They sold them for big bucks in the in the January transfer window, and they used that money to reinvest in the team to build a team that was then a title-winning team. They brought in Barry Ferguson, Thomas Buffell, Kiriakos uh, at the back. He was a good player for six months for Rangers. Yep. Is there an argument to say Morelos? He's going to go anyway, taking a big, big bid in January and reinvest that money to build this team back up? I don't think so. Um, first of all, it will depend whether a big, big bid comes in and what is a you know, what is a big bid now for Morelos, 20 goals before Christmas. For a 22-year-old, you know, Rangers can now command you know, a pretty big fee with the fact that Morelos is in, a, is in a long contract now at Ibrooks. I think the boom song... Boomsong was a great player for Rangers in that short spell, but... Perhaps the greatest defender Scottish football's ever seen, if you believe Twitter. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> did you see that tweet? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a classic fish in that, wasn't it? I do remember Boomsong, just to it, be clear, but... Uh, it, it was a very good player, but I think it's different. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just my opinion, but I think it's different when it's a centre-back. You feel as if yeah. you can get a centre-back in to replace him. I mean, you're talking about Kyriakos, who wasn't as good a player as Boomsong, but still came in and did a pretty good job. And listen, went on to play for Liverpool in the, the Premier League and stuff, so they were able to go and get a guy for a couple of million to fill that gap. I think, no, with Morelos scoring 20 goals before Christmas, they suddenly go out and get another guy no, to do that same job, but to pay far less than what you take in for Morelos. 
and then as you say, try and add two or three on top of it. I think that's a, a very difficult rebuild in the middle of a season when, no, irrespective of what happens uh, on Saturday, no, you're only a few a few points behind or maybe only six points behind or whatever at the top of the top of the table. Mark, what your opportunity now to tell me that you yeah, do remember John. I do remember Boomsong, but I think the big difference with this is that Boomsong wasn't pivotal to that Rangers team. Like everything goes through Morelos. Sorry, everything goes through Morelos. It's just he's vital to the team. It doesn't matter if he's not scoring goals, he's still creating chances for himself and others. Whereas what Boomsong, he wasn't centre to everything that Rangers are doing or were doing at the time. Yeah. So to, to sell Morelos, I think you know, in January Rangers would need a bit of about twenty million to even think of it to make it worthwhile well the numbers for Morelos 17 starts in the league 12 goals and 4 assists so it's uh, <laughs> assists so a, a word I can't say um, so that tells you for in, its, in of itself how important he is yeah he's, you just have to look at the team to see how good how important he is if he's out of the team Rangers are not even half the team having Al McGregor the two players in that Rangers team that are a they're irreplaceable uh, before the end of the season. Well, that's a great point, and I've seen that said a few times. You take Alan McGregor and Alfredo Morelos out of that Rangers team, and they're in dire trouble, Scott. Yeah, oh, it's, they've made a huge difference. Undoubtedly, they've been the two, the two main players, the two most consistent players this season. Um, listen, clubs will be looking at Morelos, there's no doubt about it. Why wouldn't you? Uh, I've no doubt clubs in England will be looking at him, whether it's... No, kind of bottom half Premier League, top half Championship clubs like that. No, that have got big money to spend. But for Rangers' point of view, I think these clubs will still be interested come the summer. I don't see Morelos now letting up in terms of his goals between now and the end of the season. It seems, it feels different to last season when he had that big dry spell and he was pretty inconsistent. No, he looked a lot kind of huffier and moodier last year than he does this year. Gerard, to his credit, seems to be getting the very best of him. I think he's, I actually think he's no a far better player this year than he than he was than he was last year. He's obviously maturing. He's getting a bit older. Clearly, working with Gerard is is helping him. So I don't see any rush now for Rangers' point of view. They've got a guy, no, has been the best striker in the Scottish Premiership up until now. I don't see that changing between now and the summer. So, no, Rangers need them for the, the second half of this campaign and then they can maybe maybe look at it again in the summer if clubs if clubs come calling. The general injury situation, Mark, is fairly dismal and Conor Goldson limped off and is a major doubt for the old firm game. How do Rangers get over this paucity of options and what do they do to stop Celtic in this match? I think that Gerrard is probably going to need to take a risk on quite a few of them to have any chance. Um, like he needs to take a risk on at least one of Arfield or Kent because there's just no creativity up there. Like one of them needs to start tomorrow and then the other one on the bench, and it would probably be Arfield starting Kent on the bench the way Rangers are playing. But uh, the same defence. If Rangers go into this game with Joe Earl and Nikola Katic as their two centre backs, then it probably won't work out very well. Uh, I thought Katic actually did well when he came on on Saturday, but or not Saturday, Wednesday. I'm getting my days mixed up. But uh, it's easy to do it this time of year yeah. in a drunken pace. <laughs> uh, but he's just as much as I don't think Goldson has been as good as people think. He's 
a much safer option at this time than Katic is or Warrell is. Especially Warrell, I just I don't see it with him at all. Uh, and if McCauley's fit, then he should be straight in there. He might be slow, he might be a bit older, but his experience will be vital if Rangers need to get anything out of this game. I've heard that a few times about Joe Warrell now, Scott, and especially on social media, that it seems to be almost getting a little toxic uh, around Joe Warrell. Do you think this is a fair reflection of his performances? Um, Maybe toxic's too strong. Yeah, I think, I think some of it's been a bit harsh. Um, I don't think he's been brilliant since he got here, but I thought he did okay the other day. Um, I think the problem with Warrow, and we've touched on it on here a few times, is that this thing of making no secret of the fact that he wants to go back to Nottingham Forest and you know, there seemed to be even a bit of Ferrari the other week when he, you know, he put a tweet out wishing Forrest good luck in the, the derby against Derby County. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought when I saw that tweet and the reactions to that tweet, although I th- obviously it was ill-advised. That, um, that's ridic- to, yeah. to give a guy stick for that, it's just ridiculous. But it just shows. So it just shows that there's a there's a wee bit of needle there between the the fans yeah. and Warrell for some reason. Or that some of them have cottoned on to the fact that a for the minute he got here, he spoke about going back to Forest. I think in general when Joe Worrell speaks, and it's a great thing from a journalist's point of view, he's a very confident guy. He's not afraid to talk himself up about what he's going to do in terms of playing Premier League, playing for England. These are all ambitions he has. I think some fans unfairly are kind of holding that against him. And some of his performances have obviously been a wee bit ropey as well. So you put all that into the mix. I think a few of them... uh, can I see him as a bit of a scapegoat when things don't go well defensively? I think the same people who were criticising Morrill for that tweet are the same people that as soon as Greg Doherty tweets, good luck to Rangers. Yeah, of course. Or Ollie McBurney, who isn't even connected to the club, tweets it to say, oh, this is great, it's the best thing ever. But as soon as Joe Worrell done it, like, oh, disrespectful to Rangers. It's just, yeah. it's just ridiculous. I, mean, I don't think he's been as very good. Or I think for last it's defending, he's very good, but that's not what Rangers need uh, I think that's a big problem with. he's, he's not a guy himself. that's going to stride out of the fence yeah. and create and start attacks no. yeah. you see his passing and he this, there was one in, I think it was the Dundee game when he got the ball and he just punted just it out of play uh, it, was, it was Amos it was just is it also an, an element of this is a confident guy as you say Scott a guy who sort of strides into the room and he, and he looks like that on the pitch as well he's giving out orders he's giving out directions but see if you're that kind of player you need to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. You, do. you oh, need he, to be at the top of your game. He believes in his own ability, there's no doubt. And even when, as Mark says, even when he does you know, launch a ball at the park or there's a misplaced pass, it, it doesn't put him off doing it again five minutes later. That's a great thing to That's have. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, so you have to admire that about him. I think as well people forget how young he is. I mean, he's yeah. still only like 22, 23. I think he's 21, isn't he? 21, uh, I, think uh, I think he's still it, yeah. So... I mean, he's still a young guy. We're talking about Morello still being young and still having a lot of improvement and all that. So, I, I think, I think some of the criticism has been been slightly harsh. I don't think he's had many glaring errors that have led to led to goals. He's a lone player, you know, an England youth international who I think has come in and done reasonably well. Of course, you no know, punters want his performances to be, you know, to be even better, and I think he can improve and can can get stronger but no, I, th- I think some of it's been a wee bit, a wee bit unfair This is like the Billy Connolly podcast because we just go off at massive tangents we were talking about injuries Scott I, I was going to say I think I think Goldson will be okay um, I think 
it was more of a kind of bang and a, a knock that he got. And he strikes me as the type of guy that, that would play through it. I mean, the fact he came back out at half-time limping against Hibs, which seemed bizarre at the time. But I think it shows you what kind of attitude he's got and he'll not want to miss a, an old firm game at Ibrox, knowing that he's the he's Gerrard's kind of main man at the back. I expect him to be OK. The others, Macaulay, Arfield and Kent, I think will pretty much be given up until the last no, the last minute to, to declare whether they're ready or not. And I agree with Mark. I think he's got to take a gamble on, on one or two of them. Arfield, uh, for me, is the key. Rangers need Arfield in that midfield because he's the one that yeah, not only gives you the quality and the creativity to a certain extent, but he also gives you the composure and the experience and the know-how. I think you might be right. And I, and I think, I think in general, Gerard, you know, talking about taking gambles on players, I think he has to take gambles tactically as well on, on Saturday because you know, Rangers have already lost to Celtic uh, a defeat on Saturday, puts them you know, six points behind with Celtic's game in hand, possibly making it nine, almost certainly making it nine. We all know how important a victory is, and with Rangers kind of run a relatively poor forum, the the injuries piled on top of it. I think Gerard has to come up with something different, something that Rogers, uh, Brendan Rogers, maybe isn't expecting. And for me, and it's only my opinion. But I would go with a kind of three, three, five, two. Um, playing the three centre backs with Goldson, Waro, and Katic, assuming that McCauley doesn't doesn't make it. Um, I think you need to find a way of getting Lafferty into the team. I thought Lafferty made a huge impact when he came on at St Johnson, playing beside Morelos, caused havoc up there. I think you can get at. Celtic's two centre-backs, uh, it'll probably be Simunovic and, and Benkovic. I think you need to test them. I think putting Lafferty up with Morelos will give them that test. Obviously, from Rangers' point of view, the, the negative to that system is the space that it might leave um, in the wide areas, because oh, Forrest and Sinclair will no doubt play high up for Celtic, and that's where you need your, no, your right and left centre-back as well as your two wing-backs to, you know, to have a real kind of understanding there. Um, if Tierney's out, though, that's a big boost for Rangers if they were to play 3-5-2. I think Tierney being out and Rogic being out is a huge boost to, to Rangers because both of those players, um, in different ways, always seem to perform well against Rangers, um, particularly Rogic in that number 10 position, I'd, I think because his size and stature, Rangers don't really have MD that can deal with him and he's caused Rangers a lot of problems in there. Um, and the 3-5-2, as well as getting Lafferty up top, it allows you to get that you know, that three in midfield. Um, obviously, you know, a for instance, would need to be sacrificed. And the big issue with that formation, and I accept it, is that Gerard would have a big dilemma on who to play in the left wing-back role. Barisic would be the number one pick. But he's then left with, does he go with Andy Halliday, who played at left-back the other day? But I think it's a big ask for Halliday up against Forrest, particularly when you're playing wing-back. Or does he bring John Flanagan back in? Does he bring Lee Wallace in for the, in for the cold? Wallace 
would probably be the one that's most ideally suited to playing <laughs> that position, playing that role. But is he ready after no, pretty much 18 months of inactivity to be thrown in to start an old firm game? If he was going to play, he would have played against Hibs, surely? Possibly, but I, I don't... I'm, I'm not sure... I'm not sure Gerard works like that. I, don't, I, don't, I think if he thinks Wallace is ready to play... It doesn't matter. He'll just he'll just put him in. Um, listen, I don't. My gut feeling is that the three five two won't happen, and Gerard will go with the four three three, which he stuck stuck by pretty much for the entire campaign so far. But I think that will be predictable. It will pretty much play into Celtic's hands, um, and I think he's got to come up with something different. Or you could say, conversely, Rangers' best performances of the season have been in big ties against good teams. So whether that's be away from home against Hibs, away to uh, European sides, and when teams come up against them and come after them, Rangers are very good in the counter-attack. So yes, you might, you might say that Celtic outperformed Rangers at Celtic Park, but I just don't think Rangers turned up that day. No. So it might be, in a way, I, the I, kind of game that that Gerrard system that he set up works really well in because there'll be a lot of space in behind if Celtic I, are coming on. I agree that Celtic will you know, will come after Rangers. At, you, know, you would expect that and that might help Rangers in an attacking sense. But the same token, you're speaking about European games you know, going away from home. I think it's a bit different. You go away from home in Europe where you know, the game plan is to, is to sit in no, and, and wait for counter-attacks. It's a slower pace as well. Aye, and I don't think Rangers can do that in an old firm game at Ibrooks with no, 51,000 punters basically roaring them forward. Rangers, as the home team, need to take the game to, to Celtic. Now, whether that's, no, no, whether that's the wrong ploy or not, because it gives Celtic more licence, gives them more space, I'm not sure, but it's an old firm game. You know, Rangers need to... They, they need to f- f- it sounds obvious, but they need to find a balance of keeping it tight at the back, but by the same token, go for the jugular a Celtic and go and try and get try and get goals because I still think that the weakness in this Celtic team is at the back. Mark, what's your setup for the for the game? I, I can't see him going with the three five two purely because, like you said, the left wing back situation and Andy Halliday's never a left wing back in his life. I mean, he's he's done very well at left back and. I would start him at left back again uh, tomorrow, but if you put him at left wing back against Forest and Lustig, then they'll just—I think they'll just rub them, rip them to shreds. But um, I think Lustig. Well, up, up with Forest. I don't mean Lustig on his own. Yeah, but I don't see Lustig as being a, a big issue, even for Andy Halliday. No, I think uh, no, maybe not if Halliday's playing left back. But if he's playing left wing back with nobody else in front of him, then then he's going to become a problem because Lustig coming forward, Forest there. Well, I suppose That's we've seen Lustig score a great goal at Ibrox, so yeah, he does have some stuff Lust- going forward. Lustig always plays well against Rangers. That's the thing as well. He's, yeah, he may have been in bad form. He'll always turn up against Rangers because that's the kind of player he is. Uh, same as like Sir Rogers and all that. It doesn't matter how bad a form they're in running up to the game. They'll always play well in these games. The, the key, the key thing with the three-five-two as well is that if you're going to sacrifice the wingers like Candias and Middleton, you then desperately need an Arfield or a Kent to be fit to yeah. play in that midfield three. No, if you're going to have, just for talking sake, no, McCrory and Jack sitting or Jack and Koulibaly sitting, then you need somebody ahead of them. You need Arfield to go 
and no, no only try and make a positive impact in the game by getting into the box and no getting chances or getting shots off, but also to stop Scott Brown playing, which we've spoken about so many times. Well, I've got a formation for that, Scott. Okay. So I would go three six one, right? I would pack that midfield. I would play McCrory and Jack at the base, mopping up defensively, covering those two um, attacking midfield players that Celtic often play in there. You'll have McGregor making runs in there, probably Christie making runs in there. Get two people in there to mop that up. And then the two players you would normally have wide in front of them, I'd pull them inside. Arfield inside and Candias inside. And then I'd say to Candias, I'm not wanting you to play attacking midfield because he can't really play that. He's always wanting to push out wide. So I'd say to him, your job, you've got the energy follow Scott Brown around the pitch. Essentially, man-mark Scott Brown. And when you get a chance, burst away from him when you're on the attack. The reason I like that formation, and there is limitations to it in terms of Halliday and Tavernier and wing-back roles, is for me, that'll stifle the game. That'll stuffing up the game, stiffen up the game in midfield. It'll make it a battle. And I think it has enough pace to break on Celtic. And I just like the idea of trying to overpower Celtic in midfield for once because too often when Rangers play Celtic Celtic have essentially four men in midfield yeah. and they just dominate the midfield and then what you're relying on as a Rangers um, uh, manager when you're watching the game is that your wide players are going to make the difference and they seldom do I don't think Candace has the positional discipline to man Mark Scotland no, neither do I. I think he's he's too energetic he's running about all over the place and that's what his game is all about I think he's going to if Jared asked him to sit on Scott Brown I just don't think that would work Brown would I wouldn't say he'd run rings around him but he'd just pass around him and Candace would be sprinting all over the place and hooked at half time if, if you want to stifle the game in that system you're as well just taking Candace out and playing Arfield and Koulibaly ahead mm. of Jack yeah. and McCrory and if that's the way Gerard wants to go by stifling the game and trying to be hard to beat trying to make it an ugly game where you're no you're just hoping that you might nick something or no score for a set piece or a chance. Fair enough. I mean I I wouldn't completely disagree with that. I'd just be surprised in a home game Gerard's first old firm derby having lost the first having lost the first no in a in a kinda of whimper at Celtic Park where they offered nothing as you say I'd be amazed if he goes into this game thinking, right, let's just make it ugly, let's just try and defend, let's just try and nick something. I think he's going into this game going to try and win it, try to go toe-to-toe with Celtic, and we've spoke about it before. The option's there for him just to go, you know what, we'll just match up with Celtic all over the park mm. and we'll just go man for man, No, that kind of 4-3-3 style. And then no, he, ho- he would hope that just his players produce better than Celtic's players on the day and they win individual battles, they create chances and ultimately get the better of them. The problem with that, Mark, and I'll let Scott come back on this as well, is that we've seen that happen once before. Rangers went into the game at Ibrox last year uh, in March, I think it was March or April, in terrific form. They'd won seven in a row. There was momentum building. If they won the game, they were bang right in that title race. They lost it and it was like a burst balloon. Rangers went incredibly downhill incredibly fast immediately after that and I think the point that I'm trying to make and I think the important thing Stephen Gerrard is if they get a draw or a win everything's back to positive again because you've got the three weeks to get the rest and recuperation you need you get a few bodies in believe me at the end of this three week period the excitement will be back whereas if there's a defeat 
it's going to be a long three weeks. But, but is it not even worse if you get defensive, try and yeah. stifle the game and lose 1-0 or 2-0? I mean, that that would really get punters down. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they've had two old firm games so far in the season and literally barely laid a glove on Celtic, barely created a chance, maybe no scored a goal, I think that would be even more damaging. I think... I understand what you're saying, and if they go for the jugular and lose 4-2 or whatever, it could be really deflating for Gerard and the players, but I think if you ask supporters, they would much rather that than, as I say, go out with a, go out with a whimper and get beat 1-0. Yeah, I think that if if that happened, then Rangers would look scared yeah. of Celtic. Um, and you've seen that Aberdeen went for them, scored three goals. Hibs have went for them, scored twice, beat yeah. them. Rangers need to go for it I and mean, there's, there's no other option uh, in, my, in my opinion I think the game in March you're talking about as well I think there was, that was a bit of a free hit for Rangers that day and it just fell apart mm. uh, I think even if Rangers had won that nobody really would have expected Rangers to go on and win the league with Graham Murthy as manager no disrespect to Graham Murthy but he wasn't a permanent manager I just think nobody would have expected him to do it It's interesting you mentioned Hibs everyone knows that I'm a Hibs expert and the reason I think Hibs dominated that game and did so well is because they played four in midfield it was a midfield diamond so Celtic struggled against a team that had midfield supremacy so that was also part of the reason why I wanted to play four in in that midfield area but we're we're going to move on now Um, just going to ask a little bit about the, the sense of general pessimism I don't know if this is coming through from from our conversation in terms of Rangers potential for a win um, I've got a question on Twitter from at Cami26 who said how many beers will be needed pre-match tomorrow <laughs> does that sum it up yeah I'd like it matters if you're pessimistic or you're optimistic there's going to be plenty of beers from <laughs> Rangers to Celtic fans before the game so. well, he's lucky that he can have a few beers somebody's need to go and work at it uh, oh who is me so- get paid to watch football so- for a living sober as a judge Uh Listen, I think if you're a Rangers fan, what is it, 12 Old Firm games now without a without a win? Um, no, that must be tough to, to deal with, that must be tough to, to handle. So you can understand why they would get into it no, with a bit of pessimism. Uh, and I, th- I do think the, kind of, no, the optimism and the, no, what Gerard kind of brought when he came in initially that is beginning to wane slightly as we're getting to, to the winter break. I think it's been due to a dip in performance levels, a lot of injuries. A lot of draws. Yeah, even even wee things like, like the fallout with Ajaria and him going back, you know, just wee things of, of kind of created this kind of, uh, a, wee bit, a wee bit of negativity. And I think the winter break is coming at the right time. I, I thought Stephen Gerrard on Wednesday after the Hibs game I'm not sure whether he'd admit it himself but I thought even he looked pretty tired after the game uh, I think he needs a break I think he's got to recharge the batteries to go again he'll obviously ask the players tomorrow just to give him one one final push um, before this break but I think he'll be desperate to not only for himself but to let the players and the staff go away they'll have a week uh, they'll have a week with their families to get away for a few days and just switch off um, before they go to they go to Spain for a, a training camp just to just to get them going again um, before coming back for the second half of the season. I think you know, once they get this talking about an old firm game, getting out the road, of course it's no like that. It's a huge, huge game for Rangers uh, in terms of what a 
what a victory, especially would mean or could mean to them. But after it, I think they'll just be desperate to get on this break because the amount of games they've played um, has been incredible, especially with that that size of squad and the amount of injuries they've had. How important is that three weeks, Mark? Oh, it'll be massive, and I think going into that with a win will be huge for the rest of the season as well. But I think the fans have a big part to play. I mean, Rangers fans, I think, in general, are quite pessimistic when, no matter what when it comes to the team. You mean, think back to the run to Manchester every game, Rangers fans are like, oh, this is it, we're out, we're getting beat. But this is just a general thing. You can sense it at Ibrox all the time. As soon as a team comes forward, it's just nervousness. I think Rangers fans will have a big part to play in the game tomorrow. They need to realise that it is going to be a nervy game. Celtic are going to have a lot of the ball. So, but Rangers fans getting on the players' back isn't going to help anyone. They need to realise that it's going to be nervy, it's going to be tense, but they need to get behind the players and not get on the back. And is that even more important, Scott, because there is only 800 Celtic fans there? Now, in the yeah. past, Rangers fans would maybe they'd go a bit flat and the Celtic fans would start up and the Rangers fans, in reaction to that, would start up themselves. Is it important that the Rangers fans really, really make an effort tomorrow to, to, to get up for the whole of course, game, of course it is. It'll, it'll be it'll be strange in that sense um, because you're right. Even working at these games, you have get used to to going to Ibrooks and seeing that kind of huge Celtic support. You know, by and large, celebrating for most, for, no, certainly for the last for the last few years. Um, so it will be crucial that the Rangers fans stick by the team and Gerard for the majority of the 90 minutes, even when it's not going well, as, as Mark says. And I think that could, if they manage that, it could make a difference. It could be the difference between you no know, getting a point and no points or, or even getting a victory. And in terms of actually winning the game, I just think it's huge psychologically. We, you know, we're talking about the effect it has on, on punters, but I think the effect it just would have on the club, the players... Um, <coughs> No, Gerard himself. Just, just to know, just to know that they're capable of going toe to toe with Celtic and actually coming out in ninety minutes on top. I think that will be crucial because no, no, no matter what happens in the second half of the season, whether Celtic going to win the league or not, it will be vital that for the the last two Old Firm games and the possibility of getting Celtic in a in a Scottish Cup tie which is now a trophy which will be crucial to Gerard and really important to him and the players because of the way they went out the, the League Cup because you know, they want a trophy by, by hook or by crook. It will be crucial to get into any of those games against Celtic knowing, right, we've, no, we've done it before, we've beat them before. No, these Rangers teams in the last few years have never been able to get into an Old Firm game feeling that. Now, we've got a couple of questions from Magnificent Morelos and Blue and White Army, and it's the usual question that we get asked. Any transfer news? Is there any latest on the likes of Davis, Jones, Eves, Shankland, the two American boys, any others in the pipeline? Is Wes Fodringham set to leave in January? Is uh, Peña Future non-existent? Scott, any updates on any of that? You were at the presser uh, today, I know it's all embargoed, but... Pen Peña's future's, I think, pretty much decided to mean having sat down with Stephen Gerrard and asked him specifically about Carlos Peña's, no, what he came back with and his body language suggested to me that, no, we'll not see him back uh, through the door again. How they get rid of him, I don't quite know, but I don't expect him to come back anytime soon. 
the Stephen Davis one won't go away. No, I'm hearing for different people that it's no uh, that could be well down the line in terms of getting him back. I've said to you before on here, I don't think he's necessarily the answer for Rangers in midfield at the moment. However, as these games go by and I watch the midfield like I did on Wednesday night, um, no, I'm becoming more uh, understanding of why Davis would, would come in and certainly improve them in that area. So I think that's a distinct possibility. Shankland is an interesting one. Uh, the boy's a big Rangers fan. He's got a contract. Rangers could pick him up uh, in January for no, 400000 I would imagine, or get him on a, a pre-contract at the end of the season. And people will say, no, he scored goals in the championship, scoring goals against no, a couple of part-time teams. Can he really take a step up? I would argue it, it might be worth a it might be worth a gamble on him. I'm not saying for him to come into the first team right away and displace Mane or take over for Manelos or whatever, but for that kind of money, at his age and his early twenties, no, knowing he's got Rangers at heart, I think that might be worth a might be worth a punt for him. You've met the lad a few times, Scott, um, and I've heard on the grapevine that there's a lot of talk about Swansea. Do you think? He's a guy that, given his boyhood love for the club, would prefer a move to Ibrox than down to the Championship. Or well, lower that, end that of the would be a huge decision for him because we know the money on offer in the Championship. Uh, Swansea are definitely interested. There's no doubt about it. I know Shankland's agent has done deals for Scottish players to Swansea before, uh, like Sir Jay Fulton and people like that. So he's got a relationship there with the club and I know that they'll be one who are uh, who are very keen on him and that would be I think for what Shanklin's done that would probably be the kind of move that you would expect you know, a club like that to take, take a chance on him take him down there and he might just hit it off and end up making them money um, so if Rangers also kind of come into the equation being a Rangers fan, then obviously that would be a huge decision for him. He'd need to think about his future, think about the salaries on offer, whatever. But I know, know that he is a he is a Rangers fan. He would love to he'd love to go and play for the club. Um, and I think, no, I, I also hear people talking about Shankland and saying that no, he kind of had his chance, didn't he make it at Aberdeen, went loan a couple of times. I think he admits himself. That you no, know, he made a few bad decisions. Maybe his attitude wasn't quite what it should have been at that stage. His career, um, but he's now in a really good place. He's uh, it sounds daft, but he's now a, as well as playing football, he's like a personal trainer. He's got all his kind of qualifications. So because he's got into that that whole fitness thing, he's now at the kind of peak of his powers. And you speak to anybody here. I, mean, I speak to Sandy Stewart, the assistant down at here. And he's seen him as a young kid and he said now he's just a completely different different proposition. So I think there's definitely scope um, and, and he's somebody <laughs> that Rangers should be looking at. As I say, no necessarily as a first-team starter, but somebody that they could bring in and you know, develop and you know, hopefully, if, if, if that happened, could really kind of bring him on and, and, and make him into a Rangers player. What about the Americans? There were some rumours on an American website the other day that one of the lads, I think Gutman, who's the college player, 
looks yeah. likely to sign. Right. Is that something that was asked about, or is it embargoed, or...? I don't know. I mean, I wasn't in the daily press conference yeah. today, which which it probably was asked about. I mean, I read a report yesterday saying that Rangers were ready to kind of make, make bids for both of these players. I'm not sure. I mean, I'd be surprised, you know, without being disrespectful to the, to the players themselves, you know, looking at their kind of backgrounds and that, I don't think they'd be the type of players that you'd necessarily be looking at to bring in in January and make an impact for the rest of the... More like long-term project-type yeah, players. I would think so, especially the, the, the college player. I mean, I know the other guy who's obviously played MLS and played against Gerard. He's the he's right-back who would maybe come in as cover. Although I'm no... With, with Taverni and Flanagan there, I'm not sure why you would... Why they'd be looking for an R-right-back, so... I'd be surprised if they were if they were priority signings in January. I think the boy Goodman, when you've seen the video of him going around the social media and stuff, and the, the standard of football he's playing in is just it's barely even under twenty football. It's uh, it's, it's really bad. Uh, I mean, he's nowhere near the MLS level yet. He's what twenty two or something now. I think he's got a lot of work to do, but. I don't think he'd be coming in and he'd be challenging even Halliday for left-back at this stage. One of these names here, Mark, is Jordan Jones. Now, I know you've seen a lot of the lads at Kilmarnock um, while covering the games for Record Sport. He's a player that I'm surprised that Rangers are continually linked with because, to me, he's a guy that requires space in behind to be effective. He's a better player than Michael O'Halloran, in my view. He's got more tricks than Michael O'Halloran, but he's similar in a sense is that he thrives getting in space, and that's just something Rangers probably won't get very often. Do you, are you surprised by this continual yeah, yeah. link? Yeah, I think he's the perfect description of a highlights player where he'll do maybe one or two things a game but not really do enough to be in a Rangers team. Uh, a Rangers wing. You look at guys like Barry Mackay who didn't, Rangers fans go on their back right away because they weren't doing it for 90 minutes. I mean, Barry Mackay, I thought, was an excellent player at Rangers. I thought he'd done really well. But fans turned on him because he wasn't going at defenders for 90 minutes he wasn't splitting defences open constantly and I think Jones is similar to that where he'll pull out one or two things a game but he doesn't do it consistently enough to really be at the highest level yeah and as everyone knows I'm the chairman of the Barry Mackay fan club Barry Mackay's on a different level to Jordan Jones in my view I, I agree with both these I, I'm, I'm surprised that there's kind of constant links I mean it must be tempting for Rangers I suppose when you see any Scottish Premiership player who's you know, who's doing well and getting you know, a few assists, a few goals, a few headlines. <coughs> when you know you can go in and take you no know, one of the league's better players or another team's best player, I suppose you, you could maybe argue, you could maybe go and get him for, for free. Um, but I just don't think Jones is, is the answer, I think. No, without being unkind, that to me he's like a Michael Harren. He, he's quick, but he tends to run in straight lines. He needs, no, he needs balls in behind to run on. He can be, no, effective on the break. We, we pace. I, th- I don't think you get many opportunities like that, at Rangers. I think you need to have a bit, a bit more, a bit more guile, a bit more creativity. And I think if you were going to get, go and get a Jordan Jones, no, what does that say to Glenn Middleton? Who's no quite a similar type of player who's very early in his development, no eighteen, nineteen. I, I think going and getting a Jones for nothing to come in and be a squad player 
would almost stifle Middleton's development and I just I don't, I don't think it's the answer I think think about Jones as well when we talked about stats earlier I don't know i seen this on a stats website yesterday is that that goal was his first goal of the season uh, and he's not actually created any goals for Kilmarnock and a team that's doing quite well that, that's not really good enough no Absolutely. We've got a question here, I think perhaps a brief answer, Scott, from DJ McCarry, who says, was Andy Halliday badly injured when Darren McGregor scored on Wednesday? I know he got back up eventually, but he lay stricken for a fair few minutes. Will he be okay? As far as I'm aware, Johnny, um, I know obviously McGregor came clattering in at the, at the back of him to go and win the, win the header, but knowing Andy Halliday, uh, no, if there's any chance at all with him, Playing in the the old Firm game, then he's going to be he's going to be ready. I think it would take I think it would take a lot to keep him out, and certainly I think when Gerard was asked today about about injuries, Halliday's name wasn't mentioned, so he should be okay. Okay, good news there for Rangers fans. Um, we've got a question from Gary Montgomery. This is for you, Mark. Should James Tavernier be banned from taking corners on free kicks? <laughs> he can't beat his first man, and he launches it often into Rosette. It's murder. I think I think if, if Borna Barisic is fit, then he should be on every set of piece that Rangers have. If Glenn Middleton's playing, he should be hitting corners because his deliveries from corners have been brilliant. I've not seen him hit a free kick, so I can't comment on that, but on free kicks around the area, that Tavernier should still be on them. And, I mean, I know he's missed a few, but he's also put quite a few in the top corner in his career. Uh, on corners, though, I, I don't understand why he ever hits any of them, and I don't think he's beat the first man this season. It's just every time it comes to Morelos at the front post, he flicks it on. Is yeah. there a concern about just set pieces for Rangers in general? Because if you look at the corners they've had in the last five games, it's, it's an immense so. amount. Yeah, I've mentioned it before. On here, I don't think they score enough. I mean, what was it, the Hamilton game recently at home? They had like yeah. 20, 22 corners. I mean, mm. you've got to be taking advantage of that. Statistically, Scott, apparently you only score one in 30 corners. So who's to say you can't go and break that? Stat. So yeah. it's one in thirty corners. Well, why not go and make it one in twenty-five or one in twenty-two? I mean, listen, I don't think Rangers. Again, it's only my opinion. I don't think Rangers come up with enough creatively at, at corners with the amount of set pieces they get, whether it's corners or free kicks around opposition penalty areas. Because you no know, nine times out of ten, they're the team who are on the attack the most and give have, have got most of the ball. I think they should be coming up with coming up with more and scoring more goals. Um, in terms of big targets, no, you think of McCauley, Goldson, Warrow, Katic, even these these guys should be getting one or two more goals. Um, but just to come up with something a bit more creative. I mean, Tavernier got a free kick in the last seconds of the Hibs game the other day. Literally the last seconds when you're in dire need of a, of a goal. And he just lo- he just kind of yeah, lofted it into the box and it went out of the park. I mean, that's unforgivable. I'm sorry, but at that surely in training you have to kind of you know come up with scenarios that if we get a free kick late on or if we get a corner late on where we're desperate and need a goal, here's what we'll do. I mean, I always remember Martin O'Neill's Celtic team. Every time they got a set piece you were terrified they were going to score if you yep. were in the opposition yep. because they were so threatening, they were so dangerous and they were so difficult to yep. pin down at set pieces. They clearly worked on set pieces like because nothing the, the, else. The delivery at that time for Alan Thompson and Petrov on either side, 
was consistently good. They had the three no man mountains usually in the box and like Baldi, Mialbi, Valharan normally. Um, so is it, is it just a case of good delivery and big guys then? No, or is there I, more to no, it than I, that? I think that's part of it. I think I'm a great believer in... I think players should be good enough to, to whip a ball into a dangerous area. No, as Mark says, Tavernier just hits the first man far too often. And that's simply no good enough. No, Tavernier technically is a really good player. We know that. We've spoken about his assists and his general play. His free kicks from outside the box in terms of direct free kicks are also very good. He normally gets them in target or goes goes close. But there's no excuse for not getting good delivery into the box for, for corners. And it's then it then comes down to a bit of movement, a bit of you know, creativity, a bit of you know, work on the, the training ground to try and you know, to try and get chances out and try and get goals out of it. But I think with the amount of corners and free kicks Rangers have, they have to come up with they have to come up with more goals. Got a final question here from at Upside777. Want a straightforward, no messing about answer. Mark, is Rangers title challenge over if they lose on Saturday? Yes. I would have to say yes as well because Celtic will beat St. Johnson at home in their game in hand. So you're then nine points behind a team that's won a double treble. To go and, to go and catch Celtic nine points clear is a huge ask for a Rangers team that's still in you know, the progression stage, still a, uh, no, still a work in progress, basically. To, to, the, the key for Rangers, and we've said it all season, is to just stay in touch you know, and be on the coattails, stay involved in it, so that when the big games come round against Celtic, you know, you're still in with a chance. We said at the start of the season that Steven Gerrard and Rangers' main aim this season was to beat everybody else. I don't think they've really done that. No. And I think that's something that's got to improve. Um, it's got to improve in the second half of the season. And if they do go nine points behind, it'll be because of drop points against Aberdeen, Kilmarnock, Hibs, to name but a, to name but a few. But if Celtic go nine clear, uh, that's a huge, huge ask. I think it would be a race for, for second place then. Before I go, maybe I should ask you for predictions. Mark, what is your prediction for uh, this game? I'm going to go two each. Two each? I'll say Rangers will get a one each. Celtic to go ahead. But Rangers, no, with the crowd behind them, will go and get a, go and get a point. I'll say that's what Alfredo Morelos will break his duck. Yeah, I fancy Alfredo Morelos just to get a goal. I fancy that as well. Somebody asked me the other day about, about a bet. No, he flag up a bet for the game. And I think... The forum Morelos is on, even watching him the other night. And you think he's pretty much missed a sitter in every old forum game that he's played in up until now. You'd expect him to get at least one or two chances on Saturday, and I think now's probably his time to go and, go and score. I think it's really, really difficult to judge what's going to happen until you see the two teams, because I think yeah, both teams yeah. could, could line up in very, very different ways. And I think it will be a genuine tactical battle. But I think if Rangers try and stifle Celtic and try and hit on the break, which is what they're good at, I think they can sneak a victory if they get the right formation and the right players in the I, team. I just wonder, in terms of the personnel, I just wonder if Gerard has got a kind of ace up his sleeve in terms of you know, maybe a Ryan Kent 
coming in to start. No, maybe maybe Ryan Kent has been fit for a few days now. Maybe he was fit for Wednesday, but he's thought leave him out and keep him for Saturday. I just think when we were saying earlier about coming up with something different, it might just have something and Kent probably would be the one, or maybe it would be a Lafferty throwing him in for the start or whatever, but I just wonder whether he's got something up his sleeve to, to surprise Celtic or no, whether it's a guy coming back for injury or, or whatever, because I think I think he knows that he needs to he needs a spark, he needs to do something different if he's going to get the better of him. OK, well, that's all from us. We'll try to get back to you with a reaction podcast on the day of this big old firm game. We'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate, you can by tweeting us at record underscore sport. You can tweet me at Johnny R. McFarlane. You can tweet Scott at score McDermott 8. And of course, you can tweet Mark McDougall at Mark McDougall 2006, <laughs> uh, which is when he was born. No, it's what is it, 1994? McDougall 1994. There you go. I think you'd learn that one. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us there too. Thanks for listening. Through your